It's another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, and it's another edition of the podcast featuring my co-host Christian Ainsworth. I am Price Carter. We are finally done with preseason football. We're going to reflect on it a little bit, and then we turn our sights towards the first game of the Chiefs season in Glendale, because of course the Super Bowl is in Glendale as well, where the Chiefs will be. Christian, how the hell are you? Uh, Really, really good. School is going pretty well, and you know, still getting into the swing of actually being extremely occupied all the time. What about you? I am doing well. I am just, it's been weird. I've not done a ton of fantasy drafts this year yet. I've got a bunch scheduled in these next two weeks. So it hasn't quite felt like football yet. But once we get those fantasy rosters going, that's when you really know. So, but I'm glad I didn't because that crazy situation that happened with the, uh, the football team, or I guess you'd call them the commanders, that running back that got shot that was like going to win the starting job over Antonio Gibson. A lot of people had him in drafts, like Brian Robertson, I think it's his name. Crazy. Yeah, what what happened with him? Didn't he get yeah he was like getting, an attempted carjacking? Yeah, like someone shot? tried to tried to rob him. He got shot twice in his like lower abdomen or whatever. But they're not ruling out that he won't play this year. Which yeah, is kind no. of yeah, kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> Yeah, well, no kidding. Modern medicine has come a long way, but like it helps. It helps when you're like a human specimen, too. Yeah, I'm sure that that doesn't affect your recovery time. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, you you probably make it a lot easier on yourself. But yeah, that is crazy that like his surgery went well. Everything's good with him. But yeah, yeah. unpredictable, too. I mean, Antonio Gibson season lives on. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, Chiefs make I think. I, yeah, I think Antonio Gibson might need an alibi, actually, for whenever the shooting happened, make sure that he wasn't in on it. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, let's, um, you know, let's, let's start chiefs here, or, you know, let's actually start a little general NFL here and then we'll, we'll get to the chiefies. Uh, they were just in Kansas city here, the Packers. I want to, I want to reflect on something here a little bit, just so I, it is so commonplace now how everyone talks about Jordan love. And it's, it's not that, I think no one's sitting here saying like, oh, Jordan Love is the next great thing at quarterback. Everyone just kind of like talks about the Jordan Love thing like it was just a totally normal draft pick. And I just personally would like to revisit it for a second and think about how stupid all of that was. And just, I mean, what are the what are the outcomes here for me? I, here's the thing. So the Packers draft Jordan Love because at the time they were not in the best place with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was coming off one of his worst seasons as a starter, which is still great quarterback play, of course, but he had had some injuries. So they draft Jordan Love and now they've, you know, inked Rodgers to a make a very large quarterback deal. Again, he's going to stay in green Bay for at least another year or two at the most, which then puts you in the territory where you've got to exercise the fifth year option on Jordan Love, if you're going to, which is considerable money. I mean, it, Compared to real quarterback money, it's nothing. But here's where here's where I start getting hazy on it, right? So the the idea in Packers fan and the cheese head mind is that Jordan Love is gonna develop just like Rodgers did behind Favre. And that year five or six, whenever, you know, whenever Rodgers retires, he'll be ready to take the throne and be another great dynamic quarterback. But here's the thing: the market has changed a lot. We always think that there's these backup quarterbacks or quarterbacks that are failed starters. They're just going to settle for cheap backup deals. There's always a team that's willing to give people a second chance. Look at what's happened with Baker. Look at how many chances Teddy Bridgewater got. 
Um, you know, even like Jacoby Brissett keeps falling into starting jobs. If the only situation that happens that the Packers easily re-sign Jordan Love, because like that's where this is headed, they're going to have to give him a second deal for him to be their starting quarterback with Aaron Rodgers, is if he plays well in the preseason or in a game. You know, he didn't play particularly well against Kansas City. I think they scored like 10 points. There's like basically that's the only chance that they have of him being a good starting quarterback is if he plays well in the preseason or in chances that he gets. And if he does that, he'll hit the open market and other teams are going to bid for him as well. So then you're just bidding for a quarterback on the open market. Now, will it be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen money? No, but it's still going to be real money. Even, you know, kind of like crappy quarterbacks get good money on the open market. So I, I just, Thinking about, you know, this is the same draft that Clyde came out of, like what Michael Pittman would be like on the Packers or or whatever. You have to go for it in that window with Aaron Rodgers. And I the Jordan Love pick, we people made a lot of fun of the Packers for that draft. They ended up taking some really good players. Rashawn Gary is a great pass rusher. AJ Dillon, everyone made fun of them for AJ Dillon. He's a beast. But the the Jordan Love pick, man, can you help me understand it? Do you do you see any way that this works out? Well, unfortunately. I think the sun has kind of set on Jordan Love and Green Bay. Like, not really a year, unless Aaron Rodgers is just like, after this year, I'm done. And they need to sign somebody long-term. But I think the money that he's going to command is price range. I mean, it's going to... Um, and that kind of put uh, an interesting situation because you're in this limbo with a quarterback who is going on Pat McAfee, who's going on Joe Rogan and telling all the secrets of, of what's going on in his head during the offseason, which I'm sure the Packers organization would love to have kept hush-hush. I don't think anybody needs to know that you're taking perks before a game. Um, and they, unless he is going to have another great season, which I think he'll have a good season, I don't think that he will have an incredible season, Um you're kind of forced to look at your long-term plans for quarterback. If you want a shot, if you want one more shot or two more shots or three more shots with Aaron Rodgers, I think that means that you can't keep Jordan Love on the market. And there are plenty of great backup quarterbacks. We saw in our Super Bowl run year, or maybe it was the year after, I'm a little foggy on the memory, but Matt Moore coming out of retirement, playing a couple of really solid games for the Chiefs. And... That's all. If that's all you need him to do, that's if that's all you're expecting out of your backup quarterback, not for him to inherit the franchise, not for him to fight in the locker room about who's going to be the leader of the team. I think that you have to kind of maybe maybe sign that fifth year option and trade him to a team um, or you just have to let him go. I mean, it's not like they spent I mean, they spent what a fir the first round draft pick on him that year. So you are losing a significant investment, but it just doesn't make sense for the team right now. And I think anytime a team is put in that situation, you have to go with what fits now. Like you, you can't use that sunk cost fallacy of we spent a first round. We're not going to go spend. We're not going to change our plan now just because it didn't work. It's like, well, no, that's the entire NFL. Yeah. Your plan didn't work. What are you going to do now? So yeah, I don't see Jordan love coming back. Maybe a trade, something like that. will will kind of keep him, you know, keep the Packers organization happy with some form of return on investment, but maybe give Jordan Love a, a place to actually play some real football.
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see at this point, I think the Packers would do anything before trading Jordan Love because they're, you know, it's kind of like the Clyde Edwards layer thing. They're going to prove themselves right by nature of giving it as much opportunity as possible. What my what my complaint is, is like there's nothing more valuable than a quarterback on a rookie deal. You know, we've seen what the Bengals are able to do with a rookie deal, what the Chargers have done, what the Chiefs did as far as free agency goes. They're not going to get that opportunity with Jordan Love. I mean, sure, he's not. Again, he's going to make mid-tier quarterback money, but that's still $17, $18 million a year. You know, 15 that's still, you know, real money for a player. I mean, that's, you know, of course, you know, top 10 wide receiver money. To have that at quarterback and, you know, if he plays, like, let's just slap, like, Teddy Bridgewater. Like, let's say he's, like, a Teddy Bridgewater level of quarterback. That's a huge screw-up for a first-round pick. When you have a top five quarterback of all time playing for them, you could have went more all in. And I just, you know, we sit here and we talk about Aaron Rodgers failures. And I think, you know, they just they put a lot on him as a player to elevate receivers. You know, we're talking about Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon as his primary weapons this year. And Michael Pittman would look a lot better. T Higgins would look a lot better. And, And it's this is not the first year that they've done this to him so i don't normally consider myself an aaron Rodgers sympathizer but in this instance the jordan love thing is just it's a debacle in my opinion yeah but the issue is is that you know they, they've already spent that investment you have to get something for it like it doesn't make sense to keep jordan love on this roster like well, you, you what have a top five what they're getting for what they're getting for it is they're getting a starting quarterback because they'll they'll make him starting quarterback. You know, it's kind of like, I know you're not a big baseball guy, but the Royals pump their chest about, oh, look, we got all these players to the major leagues. We've promoted all these minor league players to the major leagues this year. And it's like, yeah, you guys are the ones who decide that. You guys called them up. It's not like they, you know, age, you know, they are so good that they're not allowed to play anymore. You call them up. They're going to make him the starter and say, look, like, you know, we did this. To me, it's just like, they think that they are smarter than everyone else and that they have the ability to, you know, we've got a Hall of Fame quarterback in the chamber when we also have a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster right now. And, you know, I just, I think, I think that they got a little too big for their britches. And I think that basically they're going to look at it. Well, we're going to get something out of this regardless. We're going to get starter snaps out of this. I mean, so far, what has it got them? Nothing, you know, even the game, like you want to argue like, hey, there's value in having a good, you know, backup quarterback. Well, he couldn't go into Arrowhead and win. Now I know against it's Arrowhead and it's Mahomes, but the Chiefs also scored like 14 points that game. Not exactly a huge game for the Chiefs. Well, and to play devil's advocate here, there is a scenario where they have a young quarterback on a semi-rookie style deal where he's making like 17 mil, as you alluded to earlier, and he turns out to be a great player. We just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I it would definitely be unprecedented. Literally, Aaron Rodgers probably is the only template where it's like, well, you know, he sat on the bench for four or five years, and then he came on and was just a Hall of Fame level player or even just a good player, right? I mean, we've seen progression happen, such as like Josh Allen, who just really progressed in year th- two or three. But the point is, is that if, Jer- if Jordan Love hits the field, he can't have two or three years of being mediocre and then become good. Yeah, he's he's kind of put in this position where he has to immediately come in and make an impact 
a lot like Aaron Rodgers did when he came on. And I mean, as we've talked about this whole entire time, he, he just hasn't proven any of that in the regular season in the games that he's played. I mean, we saw him firsthand versus Kansas City a few years ago, and he, he just wasn't him. It just, you could tell this is a Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater style quarterback who is going to play okay for you, but is probably not going to be uh, a guy who elevates you enough to, to make a Super Bowl run or anything like that. Yeah. And I mean, th- I'm going to bring up another quarterback situation in a second, but it does kind of remind me of the 49ers. But the difference is with the 49ers situation is like, yeah, 49ers had a quarterback that took them to the Super Bowl and he proved that he wasn't enough. Aaron Rodgers is enough to win a Super Bowl. The 49ers, you know, went all in on Trey Lance because they needed to get over the hump. That makes sense. But they have the guy to get them to a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers. It's just they tried to outsmart themselves there a little bit. And and they also have an incredible head coach and talent. everywhere on the roster i actually i actually do think that matt lafleur is a really good like x's and o's offensive coordinator my like i i think he's he's probably not jim harbaugh well you mean um kyle shanahan kyle shanahan yes sorry harbaugh there was a harbaugh that's right yeah yeah, for a little bit too but yeah i mean i but i think lafleur is pretty good like he's he's pretty darn good I don't, you know, Shanahan might be top five, but LaFleur is definitely top 10. Um, but I mean, just the difference there is, you know, the the quarterbacks that were there, Jimmy G and Rodgers, which I I actually wanted to get into Trey Lance a little bit. I don't think that there's a player that I'm more interested to watch this NFL season than Trey Lance. I mean, of course, I'm interested to see, you know, the stars be the stars, but Trey Lance could be benched by week four or could be the MVP. Did you know, um, I was listening to a betting podcast today, that according to the sports books, no player has more money laid on them to be MVP than Trey Lance. Now, keep in mind, that doesn't mean that they think he's the most likely to win it. It's that he's the best bet given the odds. But still, I am just, I'm fascinated what Trey Lance is going to be. Because the the range of outcomes are so wide. And then today you get the piece of news that the 49ers basically paid J- Jimmy G a little bit more money to stay around and gave him a no trade clause and incentivized his playing time financially. So if he plays, it gets more money. What is this? What do you think this means? Does, does Trey Lance suck? Like I, I legitimately Trey Lance might suck and they might agree. And, you know, Colin Cowherd, who a lot of people cringe whenever people talk about him, but He's pretty plugged into San Francisco. Like he's been right about a lot of stuff. And a lot of what he's heard is that it's pretty, pretty mediocre in practice from Trey Lance. What do you think? Honestly, I, I don't have high hopes for him. I think he was a bit of a stretch at what was that third overall in that draft. Um, especially when guys like Justin Fields were still on, on the board, who is playing fairly well in Chicago this preseason. Um, just to get in my Bears hype for the past couple of podcasts. I haven't been shouting them out as much as I should be. Um, no, I mean, like, he he played, like, 10 snaps in college. And they were like, oh, but he's tall. And he, you know what? He He's kind of handsome. And, you know, he, he can throw the ball really far. It's like, yeah, okay. There's plenty of guys that are like that that don't make it to the NFL or even on a college roster. Like, okay, you, you – it takes a lot more than 
being able to throw the ball far and being tall to be an NFL quarterback. And unfortunately, under the tutelage of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, I just don't believe that he has had – well, it, I'll say it like this. It's not Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. It's not that type of situation because there you have the quarterback whisperer in Andy Reid who has gotten everybody from Donovan McNabb to Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith to play at that top tier higher than they played at any other spot. And he had Alex Smith, who was a willing veteran to show him the ropes and show him how to study and, and do all. He, he hasn't had that in that in San Francisco. He's had Jimmy Garoppolo who say what you will about him. Quarterback. He knows how to make winning plays, but he's not, I dare to say he's not Alex Smith. He's not that great of a quarterback. And then you have Kyle Shanahan, who has kind of been an Andy Reid shadow for his entire career. I mean, he, he's the running football guy in a passing league. Like, yeah, that's going to get you really far, but it's not, it's not what you want with a guy you're trying to teach quarterback if that makes any sense you know he's not if you were going to pick one a passing guy or a running guy to have coach your quarterback you'd pick the passing guy 10 times out of 10 right and I I just think you know with Kyle Shanahan damn near won the Super Bowl by running the ball twice almost in fact although Matt Ryan was pretty special in 2016 but I mean they damn near did it and if Trey Lance can just give them enough as a passer and like you know he's going to be a much better athlete running the ball i mean i could kind of see this you know the four there was another 49ers team that went to the super bowl with colin kaepernick that more or less was able to just you know use the quarterback as a weapon now kaepernick could throw the ball too obviously and make no doubt about it trey lance will have to be a good passer in order to be successful no matter how open kyle shanahan gets them but I, I can just, you know, going back to our our NFL predictions last week, I picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. Part of that is because I know that the way, like, using the most logical of, like, oh, this is the best team or whatever, never works. Like, there's always a team that sneaks in there that no one's expecting. And a lot of times, the best team doesn't end up going to the Super Bowl. See the Bills and the Chiefs last year. Both of them were probably better teams than the Bengals, but the Bengals got hot at the right time and made some clutch plays. If, you know, I could see Trey Lance being just enough to get what is a really good roster and a really good scheme, just enough to get over the hump. Or like I said, I could also see him being benched and it's back to Jimmy G because Jimmy G will throw what's called. And that's what he does. And that's why. They've had, you know, pretty good success. I mean, they've been to a Super Bowl and came really darn close to winning, going to another one. Yeah, but what are you basing that opinion on, really? Because you're you're essentially saying he can be more than Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I mean, what you're saying. He, 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 to be clear, he could be certainly less, too. You know, this is classic yes, fantasy, yes, fantasy but football. But- high floor, high ceiling. Like, Trey Lance is classic yeah. high floor, high ceiling. The thing is, is that if Trey Lance, like, let's just say Trey... Trey Lance could be the thrower that Jimmy G is and then run better. Like even if he's just an equal thrower to Jimmy G, which we all agree, Jimmy G's a good passer, but certainly not one of the best. But if he, if you have the added element of his athleticism, which is very good, you've, you know, you've essentially created a player that might be like 
65% the runner of Lamar Jackson and 85% of the passer of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever, you know, a little hybrid that you want to make. There's a definite weapon there. And, you know, we've never seen Shanahan have a running quarterback in that system. And we saw what, you know, how that can kind of take the league by storm. I mean, the, the, the Ravens in 2019 were just an absolute machine. They went 14 and two and Lamar was a unanimous MVP and they basically just ran that system. So it could definitely be interesting. Like I said, there's just a lot of boomer bust there. Well, yeah. And the only thing I was getting at when I asked you that was essentially, if you believe that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a great quarterback, without, which I don't think either of us think that, but you, you have to anticipate that he will be better than Jimmy G for him to be able to lead that team to the Super Bowl. And he definitely has that potential, but I just haven't seen anything to prove that he has gotten there yet. Now, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't an awful quarterback. He's kind of in that Teddy Bridgewater type of tier, but he, he's, you know, he's not top five. He's not in the top tier of quarterbacks if you were going to go out and, and rank them all. So we've kind of been NFC centric here. So let's just kind of ask the last question that I have for you. And this is every year there's a team that surprises people that catches people off guard. If we're talking NFC, most people are starting with the Packers, the Rams and the Bucks. And then it's kind of just the field. Who is one team that no one's talking about in the, in the NFC that you think sneaks up and surprises people, maybe a playoff team, maybe a team that, you know, is sitting in the conference championship Who's the team that we're forgetting about in the NFC, in your opinion? So last year I went with the Bears, and I was completely wrong. Um, they didn't do as well as I expected them to. Um, but this year I have a really good feeling about an NFC team that wears purple and gold, purple and white, the Vikings. They are going to be a monster in 2022 and 2023. They could absolutely be a playoff team. They just got Darius Smith coming in to help bolster that defensive unit they drafted well um and you know it's it's kind of a flip of a coin whether those draft picks actually play incredibly well in the regular season but they've got a good quarterback an above average quarterback who can play well distribute the ball to the stars and they have plenty of stars so i i'm anxious to see where they end up in the nfc um i i kind of advocated for the detroit lions a little bit ago um, last week on the podcast, I had them making the play- playoffs kind of as the last team in. Or actually, I don't know if I had them making the playoffs. I think I might have had them finishing second in that division. But I'm going to put one on the radar that I think people might be underrating a little bit. Last year, this was a trendy pick. I'm going to go with the Commanders. I think the Commanders might actually surprise some people this year. Remember, they went to the playoffs two years ago. Really, really great defense. Jack Del Rio, or sorry, not Jack Del Rio. He's the defensive coordinator. He'll uh, storm the Capitol on January 6th. But I was actually referring to Ron Rivera, who is a very good coach and has taken a team to Super Bowl with, you know, mediocre quarterback play out of Cam Newton at times. Um, I I know that we love to bag on Carson Wentz, that it is, you know, Barstool posts something about making fun of Car- Carson Wentz daily, and everyone just loves making a big deal out of him. But I, he, I think he's an upgrade over what they had last year. And also, if you go back and look at Carson Wentz's stats last year, he really was not a terrible player. You know, we talked about James, uh, the running back getting hurt for them, but they have some legitimately good wide receivers on this roster. 
they have, we know, a great defensive line. We know that they have a good defensive-minded coach. Jack Del Rio, despite being an idiot, is a pretty good defensive coordinator. I could see this working. I could see them being the team that surprises some people. And that, you know, Wentz gets just enough help and, you know, has I, I think he has more weapons in I think he has more. I'm not sure if he has better weapons than he had in Indianapolis, like Jonathan Taylor. But I, I, I think that they could sneak up and surprise some people. It would probably look quite a bit like it did in 2020, where they're a defense first team. But do I think that they could win eight, nine, maybe even 10 games in the NFC least? The Cowboys are taking on a lot of water already. I could see it. So do you think they have a chance of winning their division or are they going to have to be a wild card team? I don't know that, you know, again, that division is one of those that's just kind of, it's like the AFC South. Like you, I could see them winning the division. You know, we're all, a lot of people are pretty bullish on the Eagles. You know, we've liked some of what we've seen out of Jalen Hurts and they traded for AJ Brown and, you know, there's good, there's talent there, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, but I, I could certainly see it. I could see it being kind of another one of those that they, they could win the division, but it's going to be a, an ugly nine and eight record that went to the division or something like that maybe the eagles kind of disappoint after everyone's got their hopes up for them this year but they're they're just one that i could see sneaking in a little bit good coach a game manager at quarterback some good wide receiver weapons uh, an offensive line that's got talent on it a ferocious pass rush chase young's coming back i could see it well and just to kind of help you out here um there i think a lot of people would say like dysfunction in that organization would be a major reason why they wouldn't but historically I mean we just saw the Bengals make it to the playoffs and go all the way to the Super Bowl last year and they were a team that was full of dysfunction for the longest time going back to the Chad Ochocinco days and uh oh who's a red rocket Zach uh Andy Dalton Andy Dalton Andy Dalton yeah so they they've had some tough times too they made it all the way to the Super Bowl so I won't predict you know, a Washington football team Super Bowl run, but it could happen. The the evidence is there. Okay, well, let's move into the Chiefs part of the podcast here a little bit. Let's talk first off just kind of overall reflection since we've played uh talk. The Chiefs have played another preseason game against the Packers. Didn't really learn a lot other than the choir huddle was very, very cool for Lynn Dawson. Uh, very nicely done by the Chiefs and very well orchestrated by Mahomes and company. But I guess my question for you, Christian, is did we learn anything from the third preseason game of significance? Um, I think we kind of saw where the organization or how the organization felt about a few certain players. Like Darius Fountain got a lot of reps. Um, Jalen Watson on the defense got a lot of reps. Um Bushman, the tight end that I didn't know existed until yesterday, he played really, really well. Uh, Justin Watson even got some some looks early. So, yeah, I mean, we we kind of already knew what was going on with this roster and how the team felt, but it was just nice to get some reassurance. Like, okay, this is this is what a, a full workload for Pacheco could look like early in the season, like five point two yards carry, ten rushes. And that's all you see from just a change of pace style. Like, let's just get him in, get him out, get Clyde some reps and, and kind of see how that goes. So it was really, to me, more of just reassurance. It wasn't anything new. It was just, you know, this this is about how we're going to play. 
Yeah, I I think, you know, some of the things that we learned the most were just kind of honestly things that we already knew that were just kind of confirmation bias. I thought it was important for Isaiah Pacheco to have a good game, which he did. Um, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought it was interesting to see Ronald Jones get so much run. I thought Leo Chanel had another really good game. George Karloftis had another good game. Um, Joshua Williams kind of, he kind of showed his ass a little bit in this game, to be honest. Um, but you know what? That's okay. Like he's a fourth round cornerback drafted from a division two school. There's going to be some, there's going to be some growing pains there. And the good thing is I don't think they're counting on him day one, week one. And it also sounds like um, almost they almost escaped the whole preseason without any serious injuries other than Blake Bell, who will play this season, probably just going to take a couple of weeks. They might put him on IR to start the season. I, um, you know, one thing that I, that is kind of, I've heard some people talk about this. Do you think that there's any point in discussing the second string quarterback? Is it just Chad Haney lock it in, or is it going to be, is there a chance that they might need to keep Michelle? Like if you remember last year, the Cardinals were trying to add them to his, to their roster. And they ended up putting Michelle on the active roster to, protect them from getting snatched up on the practice squad. Do you think that there's any reason to do that? Um, No, not really. And it, we're kind of in this situation as Chiefs fans where it's, it's not a position that's going to be questioned for the next 10 years. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to be the starting quarterback and there will always be a veteran behind him who can take over and play extremely well. Now, I think the only reason that we were doing that last year to keep him away from the Cardinals was we were hoping maybe we could get some return on the investment of picking him up. Like maybe we can trade, maybe he could show out in these preseason games and we can trade him for a seventh or a conditional sixth or, you know, something like that where we can get something for him, not just let him walk away for free. At this point though, how many gyms are you getting in the seventh round? I mean, the sixth round, you know, I guess, if you're Brett Beach, maybe one or two or three uh, every couple of years. But most of the time, these are going to be picks that, you know, never end up seeing the field, only see the practice squad. So at least for me, I, I wouldn't waste a roster spot on on keeping Michelle. Um, Chad Henney is the man, and he will stay that way until he decides he doesn't want to play football anymore or they find somebody that's a little bit cheaper and a little bit younger that they can replace him with. So. No, to, to me, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of a non-starter. It's yeah. Shane Michelle is good, but not really worth spending a whole topic on. Yeah. My, um, my general point on this is just like the biggest thing is keep Mahomes happy. So if Mahomes, if it really means a lot to have Henny in the room, then I guess it's worth it. You know, they've wasted a lot of snaps and practice and training camp, on Chad Henney over the years for just to let him go for, you know, a guy who's inexperienced in Bichelle. Personally, if it was up to me, I would almost prefer, because here's the thing, they're a backup quarterback for a reason. Any guy that you get that's a pocket passer as a backup quarterback, it's just going to be a huge drop off from the starter, right? No one's got very few time. Very few teams have a one and two quarterback that are of equal talent level. And if they are, it's Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And no one wants to see, no one wants to see that. I was so, just about to say yeah, that. No one, no one wants to have to <laughs> Thank watch Thank you for that. saying that. So yeah. my, my preference would be this, just get like a complete change up as your backup quarterback. Like, I know this will never happen because of the drama, but like bring in Cam Newton as the back quarterback, 
and just like run, you know, like, okay, our starting quarterback is a pass first guy, you know, a true elite quarterback. And then our second string guy is a runaround guy, you know, a guy that we run like a lot of wildcat quarterback design runs, all those type of things. And then just be a complete change up. So that way it's like, Oh, Mahomes gets his knee, you know, turned on the side of his kneecap in the middle of a game. Well, we've got this guy, you know, who's second string who runs like a glorified wildcat, you know, offense. Because you, you see, like in Baltimore, they basically have to have a backup that's almost just like Lamar Jackson. And I'm sure a, an NFL mind could say like, oh, well, they don't have time to run all those things and do all those different schemes with each other. They got to, you know, the quarterback, basically backup quarterback just takes Mahomes' reps when he's off or whatever. But Bushell can can scoot a little bit. I, I really wouldn't mind seeing them go in a different direction here. But ultimately, it just doesn't matter. But I, I really do not believe that they're going to keep three i don't think they're going to keep mahomes henny and bushel so i think you know anything that you think you like about shane bushel can be just if they expose him and he gets taken away oh no you know we'll we'll be okay and i do think it's probably about time to move on from chad henny but then in a year you know next year in the offseason or whenever the chiefs will sign a quarterback that's had some starting time and we'll be like oh you know uh you know Teddy Bridgewater or, you know, J- Jacoby Brissett or who, you know, it just always seems like there's some guy like that, that the Chiefs kind of pick up and they'll be fine too. They they've clearly value having a decent backup and experienced backup behind Mahomes, even back when Alex Smith was here, right? Chase Daniel, Nick Foles. They've done that before as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. I think one thing too, and part of the reason why people have got into the whole Bouchelle, is he making the roster or not? Is because it seems like the roster is kind of coming down to just a key couple of spots. How many offensive line are they keeping? Nine, eight. How many defensive line are they keeping? Ten, nine. And then are they keeping four tight ends? Like are they keeping Blake Bell on the roster and then IRing him? Because they IR him before the final roster, they would have to IR him for the whole year. Pup, he can't come back for like six weeks, which might be more than he needs. So a lot of people think that he's going to make the 53 out of camp. Basically, this is all coming down to, you know, is Ronald Jones making it? Is Danny Shelton, Malik Herring, Joshua Kando making it? Is, um, you know, is Jaron Christian making it? Is um, Darren Kennard making it? What do you think? I think I think the most interesting one to discuss is Ronald Jones. I My opinion is this team would make a huge mistake in cutting Ronald Jones. He is the best runner of the football that they have. I think he showed that in the preseason game. I think that our running back room has proven that they can get hurt very well. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has got an injury history. Jerick McKinnon has an injury history. We don't know much about Isaiah Pacheco. Ronald Jones is, you know, a sure thing. He has his downsides. We all know them. He fumbles the ball a little too much. He's not a good pass catcher or protector. But I honestly, I, I do not see a reason why they should get rid of Ronald Jones other than just he doesn't fit what they want. Well, I don't want to be accused of hopping on the Isaiah Pacheco hype train too early and putting too much into these preseason games. I mean, I, I did that a little bit last year with Darice Fountain. Uh, so I don't want to make the same mistake twice. But what exactly does he do differently than Isaiah Pacheco? Like, he's he's solid in the run game, good pass protection. Um, I, guess, I guess you could say he's proven. That, that's the major difference is Rojo is a proven running back. And Isaiah Pacheco is kind of a question mark. And I'm not saying you have to pick one or the other to keep on this team, 
But if you're going to have one, what's the point in having the other? And if you look at the price tags, if you look at the potential, I think Isaiah Pacheco gives you exactly what Rojo does with a little bit less cost associated with it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm open to that. I, I think, I think the only way that you feel good about letting Ronald Jones go is if you feel truly good about Pacheco and what he can bring. Because if Pacheco is an unknown and Clyde is just what Clyde has been, you don't feel good about it because we know that McKinnon gets hurt a lot, and we know that you know that she's basically held him out the whole regular season until the postseason. I, I, you know, I still think that Jarek McKinnon has meaningful role, a meaningful role in this offense this year, but I don't know. It, it just to me, it just seems like there's a number of teams that Ronald Jones could go to this year and and have a meaningful season. You know, five, six, seven hundred yards rushing. I, I've seen him play good saps before, and I feel like this offensive line, especially the interior, makes gaping holes that get missed by players who are too slow to take advantage of them and don't have good enough vision, and those are two things that he's good at. Uh, no shade to Clyde, though. Or was that all shade to Clyde? Well, I mean, at this point, let me ask you this. Let's just say, you know, a fictitious world, Clyde Edwards Delaire and... Ronald Jones are both the same, like they have the same investment. They're both like a free agent that signed for a million and a half dollars. What would your argument be for one over the other, especially like what we've seen this preseason? Uh, do, if uh, Rojo and Clyde. Yeah. Like if you stack them well, right next would, to each other. Okay. I would say that Rojo's older. First of all, the second thing I would say is that at least Clyde was on pace for a 1000 yard season, his rookie year, even if he didn't make it and he got injured. If you're looking at fumbles, I mean, you could say Rojo fumbles the ball much more frequently than Clyde does, even though Clyde has done it in the worst possible spots. Now, I'm not saying that Clyde is a great running back, but if you're going to make me compare the two, I I would say that Clyde is probably a better runner of the football. He just can't hit the the home runs. You know, he, he averaged like 5.1 yards a carry his rookie year. And you know, granted, yeah. he, he got injured, and then he got injured this upcoming season, or this this past season, excuse me. Uh, but I mean, you can't really control that. That's, that's kind of what's so funny is looking at their pro football reference site. Um, like Ronald Jones and Clyde Edwards Delaire are virtually the same player. 2020 Ronald Jones, 978 yards rushing, which is more than Clyde's ever had, but he's never had a thousand yard season. He's had about similar receiving yards as well. 309 is his career high. 165. The only difference between Ronald Jones and Clyde is Clyde gets hurt. Ronald Jones fumbles. So one, you know, one takes himself off the field by fumbling. One takes gets taken out of the game by getting hurt. They're they're virtually the same player as far as like on the actual field. And yes, Clyde is younger, but not tremendously younger. So I, I don't well, know. They're, My, they're not they're not the same player. They just provide the same production. Yeah. I think and that, I mean, that might they, be a better way of saying and they're I mean we'll see what he has for pass protection this year, but they've been as similarly as effective in the past passing game as well. You know, that's true. That's um, true. And Clyde hasn't yielded much as a, as a receiver yet, even though that's what he was billed as Ronald Jones is 25. Clyde is 23, you know, so we're not talking Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes here as far as age goes, but I don't know. We'll just see. It, there's no, there's no debating the Clyde Edwards that hasn't been done. He's going to 
he's going to play this year and who knows maybe this is the year finally the year that he does well but let's you know let's just put some numbers to it let's predict our chiefs stats for the year so it's a lot more fun to predict the offense newsflash but just kind of what we think each key contributor i didn't go like all the way down like i didn't predict any stats for ronald jones or Jarek mckinnon because i just think like frankly it could be 60 like it could be like ronald jones has 60 yards and is cut in like week three for someone but i went with most of the key producers that we think are going to happen this year and we'll just kind of go back and forth and and talk about who we think has what prediction this year so we'll start with the obvious one patrick levon mahomes I have him setting his career high in yards at 5,200. I picked this as his career high because I think this is the year that they are going to need to go and get points time and time again because of the schedule they are playing. You've got the 17th game added in as well. I do think that they are going to do much better passing the ball. There was that offensive. I mean, he was kind of on pace to do this at the beginning of last year with a 17-game season, and then they just had that really strong offensive lull that happened mid-year where they just could not seem to figure out too high for the longest time. I have him at 44 touchdowns would be his second highest total. Uh, 50 was obviously his highest in his rookie year and 13 interceptions, which is kind of what he's been sitting at the last couple of years. So 5,200, 44 and 13 INT. And he's had this nice little trend where every year he's rushed for more yards um, he's progressively getting more and more rushing yards, which I think just kind of speaks to how defenses are playing him. I've got him for 350 rushing yards, which would also be his career high. Yeah, as do I. I think that the rushing yard increase is, is almost guaranteed to, to increase. I mean, the rushing yard total is guaranteed to increase. So I have him at 4750 yards, uh, 42 touchdowns, five interceptions. And the reason I see this kind of decrease in, you know, his production as far as yards go is I think that they are going to force him to run the football. And they did that last year by playing too high, as you mentioned. Um, but we didn't really have a good counter because we didn't really have any good running backs. Um, this year will be different. We have Rojo. We have McKinnon. IP, who's apparently going to become a 1,500-yard rusher. Um, and Clyde coming back, hopefully, hopefully fixed from his injuries that he's had over the past couple of seasons. Um, so I think with that, they'll be able to run a little bit more play action. I think that they will do some things that they haven't necessarily been able to do before because we'll have a second and third option receiving. Um, so I, I don't think that he gets over 5,000 yards. That's, that's just a little hard for me to, to guess or project out. But still an incredible season. I do have him winning the league MVP uh, if you tuned in a couple weeks ago when we did our season predictions. So 42 touchdowns, five interceptions. I mean, that's still a really, really good ratio. He's finding multiple people, finding multiple different receivers in the end zone for touchdowns. And hopefully it'll be another great showing for him. Yeah, I think, you know, the... This would be a great year to predict the Mahomes interception ratio go down because of how many balls were tipped off of other receivers hands. And they've got, you know, like, well, that was one of the big things about Sky Morris that his hands are the, were the biggest in the draft and he catches everything and Juju's kind of that way too. It'll be interesting to see how much of the interceptions were him and how much of them were just tip passes. Um, well, yeah. And some of them were definitely him just to set the record straight. I mean, you don't th throw 13 interceptions by bouncing them all off people's hands. 
Yes, yeah, that's true. There was definitely some really bad interceptions that happened. There was one against uh, the commanders last year that was just, he was like going down to the ground and threw it. It was, but I mean, that's that's kind of who he is, you know. He will always have that gunslinger in him a little bit. And sometimes it's a left-handed throw to Terry Kill and Mile High, and sometimes it's that play against the commanders. Yeah. Let's go to the running backs because we must. Let's do more Clyde Edwards-Alaire content. I have him rushing for 780 rush yards, which would be the second highest total of his career. His first season, he rushed for 803. Um, I just think he's going to get hurt again because that's what he's proven to do. I have him rushing for six touchdowns, which would be a career high for him. I have him with a career high 400 receiving yards because I do think that that is probably the spot that he stands the largest chance of growing in and four receiving yards. So over a thousand total yards from scrimmage six total or 10 total touchdowns from Clyde Edwards Alaire. see and I have over a thousand total yards for him as well but they're split up just a little bit differently so I see 860 rushing yards with four rushing touchdowns and then 200 yards receiving with two touchdowns I think that with the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco excuse me and having Jarek McKinnon back on the roster that's going to limit his you know, his ability to not really his ability, but the opportunity he has in this offense to play on passing downs. I think they will mostly use him as a rushing uh, sort of running back. And I I just don't think he's going to have that many breakaway touchdowns for, you know, I, I can't see him having six or eight touchdowns this year because I just don't think he has that breakaway speed. And again, I think these numbers would be larger if he didn't get hurt every single season that he's played in so far. So I kind of corporate incorporated that into this, uh, this analysis as well. Well, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the breakaway speed and then doesn't have the like strength to be a goal line guy either. That's, yeah. that's the spot yep. where I think Ronald Jones would mean the most for this team. Um, next, let's go to the American folk hero. That is Isaiah Pacheco. I kind of spoiled where I got these numbers from last uh, podcast. If you listened, I basically pulled Tony Pollard's rookie season because I think that's what the impact he's going to have on this team is. I think every time you see him on the field making plays, you're going to be like, God, dude, why don't they just get him the ball more? Just make so many plays. But the value of Tony Pollard or Isaiah Pacheco is the fact that they are the changeup. They are the difference. They're the backup for a reason. They provide enough difference from the starter that it's effective. If they were to get the lead carries, they would not be as a productive of a player. So I have them at 300 rush yards with two touchdowns and 150 receiving yards with two touchdowns. And I'm going to throw in a return touchdown in there as well, because Tony Pollard did just that. And he is pretty effective in the run uh, return game as well. I can definitely see that. I I feel bad not incorporating that into mine, but I'll I'll go ahead and throw that in. Copy off your homework a little bit. He'll have at least one return touchdown. Um, so I have 600 yards rushing, four touchdowns, 200 yards receiving, and two receiving touchdowns. Um, I think Isaiah Pacheco has clearly carved out a role in this offense over the preseason. I know you have to take everything with a grain of salt in the preseason, but averaging five and a half yards a carry on 10 carries is enough to get me hyped. Like, okay, Andy Reid, He's not known for running the football, but when he is, there's usually a really, really good opportunity to chew up yards, and IP could really, really be that guy. So this incorporates him having sort of a slow start and then slowly catching on later in the season. 
uh, kind of maybe taking over that Jarek McKinnon role if Jarek McKinnon gets injured, which has been frequent for him. So there's a real possibility Isaiah Pacheco is the starting running back for this team if Jarek McKinnon and Clyde, um, if those unfortunate tendencies of them being injured, you know, happen again. So IP, 600 yards, four rushing touchdowns. I like IP. I kind of like that. I know it's like computer sounding, but it's kind of cool. Um, I've been I've been working on a nickname for that, and I just can't. I'm just not quick enough. You know what I mean? There, there's yeah, that he's little... almost got to have like a like a you know if he was like the second or the third or something, he'd be like IP three. You know, kind of like CP three, like Chris yeah, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so actually, you were talking about modeling players after seasons. That's what I did for a lot of my players, where I went and kind of looked at their previous seasons then looked at what other players did last year so for my next player i actually modeled him after uh hit this season my predicted season after dj moore's season last year where he was kind of the number one receiver on a good to mediocre offense uh juju i have at 93 catches for 1157 yards in 11 touchdowns so um, that's those were very similar to kind of DJ Moore stats this year. I think that Juju is better. I think, or I think, I think at this point DJ Moore is probably a little bit better of a player. But okay, I think, all right. yeah, sorry, but I think <laughs> he's got the better offensive coordinator and the better quarterback. Um, a team that's going to throw the ball a lot. So I've got Juju, you know, really big glow up in the yards and touchdowns from what he's done the last couple of years. That's the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes effect there. Yeah, as do I, as do I. 1,100 yards, 90 receptions, eight touchdowns. Uh, I don't know if I can go 13. I know your Mahomes projection was a little bit higher than mine, so maybe that's a little bit of that influencing my decision here. But 1,100 yards just sounds right. He's going to be the number two wide receiver, or number one wide receiver, number two receiving option behind Travis Kelsey. Um, And there's going to be a hell of a lot of opportunity. And if they're going to be running cover two, which – very very well could be the case our opponents uh then juju is going to be the underneath guy and when you've got more people on the back end of the defense you've got more room for for people to come up in the intermediate and catch football so juju's in a prime position for a breakout year a second breakout year uh probably won't get 1400 yards like he did that junior season he had or sophomore excuse me um but Still, definitely. I mean, this will be this will sort of quell all of the oh no, Tyree kills gone. What are they going to do with these wide receiver? That it's going to kind of set that narrative straight. Like, okay, Patrick Mahomes can can elevate guys, uh, especially guys that were playing with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger last year. Yeah, I I love him down in the red zone. I think that we're just going to see the Chiefs do a lot more down there. And if you know, we saw kind of how Mahomes can get when he gets out of the pocket and is able to just fire darts into the end zone. He's been that way with Kelsey. If he can get that way with Juju and even kind of what he's done with uh, Jody Fortson in the preseason, that's where I really like his touchdown number going up. Next is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He stays a lottery ticket, 35 catches, 450 yards, four touchdowns. That's, you know, really kind of the, I'm not, predicting any more or any less from Marquez Valdez-Scantling than what he did with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. Matt LaFleur is a great offensive coordinator. Devontae Adams was a great weapon. You know, if you want to say Devontae Adams is like Travis Kelsey or whatever, I, I just don't have a whole lot of hope for him being any more than what he was. And that's fine 
They're not paying him that much money to come in and be a field stretcher. And if he hits on a couple of those field stretching home runs this year, it's worth it. Yeah, and I kind of have the same opinion there. He's not going to be some guy who comes in and changes life. He's not DK Metcalf, who has been stuck on, you know, a poor Green Bay roster with, you know, Devontae Adams standing in front of him. No, he, he's about a 600-yard receiver guy, and that, that's what I have him slotted to do. 600 yards receiving, 40 receptions, four touchdowns. I think that you're going to see him mostly on some deep posts, some go-route spades, anything that really stretches him down the field. And, I mean, he's Pat, Pat doesn't underthrow guys. So he, he's going to get hit in stride. He's going to make some touchdowns. And, you know, it'll be exciting to see. Uh, with that being said, my next guy, McColl, I kind of have him in that same sort of, of range here. So 600 yards, 40 receptions, six touchdowns. Um, I just don't think he's going to have a breakout season. We've been saying that for the past four years, and I don't think adding two guys in front of him um, boded well for his confidence. And I also don't think it, it – I don't think anybody should be confident in him. We haven't seen him make tremendous strides as a route runner. We haven't seen him um, – be as effective or more effective in like the the yak category of his his game so i think with how we're going to have to use him and the role that's going to be provided i think 600 yards 40 catches six touchdowns is an appropriate assumption for what he's going to be able to do this upcoming season i this is probably the biggest jump i have of any player and it's McColl, I think that they are just going to feed him the ball a lot and give him lots of yak and bubble screen opportunities. And I do think that he is also going to improve a little bit as a route runner. The one thing that I just don't see for McColl is I don't see him being ever the vertical threat that Terry Kill was. I just think that that's an element of the game that's not coming back with McColl Hartman. I think MVS can bring that because of his length. But McColl is just he's good for one or two deep shots a year. Everything else is going to be around the line of scrimmage. I have him with a lot of catches, 75 catches for McCole Hardman, 800 yards. So honestly, if you do that, you know, yards per catch basis, that's actually not that great of a ratio. Eight touchdowns for McCole. I think that they're just going to, he is going to be their little gadget this year. And that's fine. I mean, for a late second round wide receiver, you can't really ask for a whole lot more. Um, We don't need to go down the whole why he was drafted again road. But I, I just think that he's the player that's going to take the biggest jump this year because he had a very clear role that was being taken up by another player who was better at it. Now that opportunity is there for him. So with that stat line, do you see him coming back next year as no, Kansas I, City I, Chief? I think, you know, I think the Chiefs will see that. And who knows, maybe this role doesn't necessarily have to be a wide receiver either, right? Like that could be something that if Pacheco turns out to be a real weapon with his speed, that he could take over that role next year. Or you know what? Like they can draft this role too. I mean, this is, you know, the there's not a huge line of separation between what Dexter McCluster was and what McCall Hardman is, right? Terry Kill was neither of those guys. Like Terry Kill was a legitimate wide receiver threat. But well, I, yeah. I I just think that some team is going to go out and pay for the speed for McCall Hardman. And also, like, McCall Hardman's a guy that you don't necessarily want to give a big deal to. Like, he's kind of proven time and time again with the bowling and other things. He's not a football-only guy, which they're entitled to have their life. That's fine. I, I don't have any problem with any player being that way. But 
I, I think that he's a guy that you might get a little worried about giving a sizable contract to. Well, that and, you know, guys that rely on athleticism, unless you're a freak, like, oh, I can't think of his name. Um, the guy that played for the Vikings for the longest time, then played with um, Randy Moss. No, oh, Randy thought, Moss. Excuse okay. me. Unless you're Randy Moss or Tyreek Hill, um, you know, that freakish athleticism is, is not going to stay with you for a really long time also. So the difference between him and those guys, at least uh, McColl and those guys, excuse me, is that you, you talk about redrafting the role. He's essentially John Ross, like super, super fast guy and is really only good for yak opportunities. I think if Justin Ross was in this role, not Justin Ross, excuse me. Um, did I say Justin Ross earlier too? No, you, you said the right thing. John Ross. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. John Ross, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> no, if a guy like that, I think could be the exact thing McCall Hardman is in this offense. So, you know, with that being said, I, I don't think that if he poses that stat line, he'll come back. Um, and I don't think that really we should want him back. Not saying he hasn't lived up to expectations, done anything like that. I just think that it doesn't really make sense for us long term. Absolutely. Um, okay, Sky Moore, for what I did for his predictions, I honestly just modeled them after rookie year, McCold Hardman, because I think that's kind of the role he's in. 30 catches, 550 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's virtually the exact same thing that I had. Four hundred yards, thirty-five catches, three touchdowns. I mean, you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunities, but it's an Andy Reid offense, and rookie wide receivers don't usually do too well. And lastly, the inevitable. What are we giving? All right, I mean, it's inevitable that he's getting over a thousand yards for Travis Kelsey. I've got him ninety catches, twelve hundred yards, twelve touchdowns. Um, I looked at kind of what he's done in the past. I also looked at what some of the other tight end, top performing tight ends in the last couple of years have done. I feel like that this is probably Kelsey's, you know, probably one of his best seasons that he's going to have as far as just as long as he can stay healthy, he's getting a little bit older, but he's going to have just, you know, I think he's weapon number one in this offense. Oh yeah. He's going to have a monster season. I have him with over a hundred receptions. Didn't really pin it down. 110. 105 would be a good estimation. 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns. He, he's the number one offense in an offense without Tyreek Hill. And, and he's really, outside of McColl, he's the only receiving option that has been constant for the past couple of years and will be constant for this upcoming season. So the Mahomes trust circle is real. McColl is, is somewhat in that, but Travis Kelsey is the leader of that prayer circle. He is the pastor. He is the preacher. He is the one giving out all of the he, – he's letting people in. So Travis Kelsey, 1,300 yards. I mean, he's he's going to be great. He's always been great. Why would he stop now? Let's head over to the defense. It, like I said, defense is a little bit less exciting. For the sack totals, I have Chris Jones being the first player since Steve Spagnuolo's come into the defense with double-digit sacks. I have a, him at 11. I think he's going to do really well playing defensive tackle full time. I think, you know, they've put some better pass rushers around him this year. Got him at 11. I've got Frank Clark at six and a half. He stays disappointing. Carlaftis, Furious George at eight and a half. 
and Carlos Dunlap at eight, which is like right at his average. Yeah, I mean, Furious George with that eight and a half would be nice. Uh, that that might be a little much for me, though. I have him having six, uh, being kind of a situational pass rusher at the beginning and slowly working in with the ones. Um, I, no 10-plus sacks this year for me. N- no guy on this list makes over 10. CJ is going to have nine. Frank will have four. Unfortunately, I think he'll be rotated out whenever we have pass rushing opportunities. Um, and then Carlos Dunlop. Dunlap, excuse me. I say it wrong every time. Um, he'll have seven. So a little bit on the decline, but he still is going to provide some much needed pass rush um, for, for this team that has needed it for the past couple of years. Now, I think that there are some other guys that are going to get some sacks. I think Treshawn Wharton might get two or three. I think Derek Nadi will get the odd one. He's always good for one sack a, a season somehow. Um, and then guys like Mike Dana. Um, maybe Colin Saunders, if he actually sees the field, we'll get a few too. So I yeah, think that yeah. just the like, defensive uh, line will be way better than last year. Yeah, just like, you know, Mahomes' stats, I kind of did the math on it. I predicted him for 5,200 yards. Of the receivers I, pre- I gave you, I gave you about 4,800 yards. So there's about, you know, 400 more yards to make up with other players. You know, your Blake Bells, your Noah Grays, your Jody Fortsons, your – Jarek McKinnon's, et cetera, Justin Watson. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that the Chiefs sacks are going to be much better this year than in the past. I think that they finally have a little bit more to offer in the pass rush, more numbers. I think we can both agree the person that's going to lead the team in tackles is Nick Bolton, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, no, the no man question. wakes up and the man just wakes up and tackles people. It's just what he does. So good to finally have a leader wearing number 32 on the defense. It's going to be great. <laughs> No shade here. Yeah, no shade absolutely here. not. Okay, Chiefs, Mac Hill Lee, rookie of the year, is going to be Trent McDuffie for me. I think that McDuffie, the way that they have treated him from day one, he has just come in and he is a starter. He has been looked at as the starter. He's a corner. He plays a premium position. The Chiefs are going to be in a lot of close games. Teams are constantly going to be throwing at them, and I think – you know, I don't think that this is going to be, look like Marcus Peters' rookie year because Marcus Peters was such a ball hawk. But I think, you know, McDuffie is just going to be a a pillar of this defense for the whole season. See, and, and I almost went with McDuffie. I, my heart really, really said McDuffie. But I just over the past couple of weeks, I have been seeing the hype that George Karloftis has got. And. I think that if he comes in and I I have him slotted for six sacks, so it's not even like he's going to go crazy, but if he comes in and he's like that passing down, just, I mean, basically what Frank was in that uh, postseason that we went to the Super Bowl, that we won the Super Bowl, excuse me. If he comes out like that, he's going to be the fan favorite. And it's, it's not because he'll be a better player at his position than McDuffie. It'll just be one of those things where it's like, Oh, the Chiefs' pass rush has needed a boost for so long. It's it's kind of like the Mark Ingram thing that happened last year. Melvin Ingram, excuse me, that where he came in and it wasn't like he was a great defensive end, but it's like he got two or three sacks and everybody went crazy because it's like, yeah, do, do, we got somebody else. Thank God. Like I, I think that's the kind of effect that's going to happen with George Karloftis, and if that happens, he's going to be a fan favorite for the rest of his tenure in KC, which hopefully will be for 10 plus years. Yeah. The furious George pictures that I've already found on Twitter are excellent. So nice, nice job. Chiefs Twitter on that, on that end. 
All right. Well, we're going to call that a podcast. Um, next time we'll be talking, we'll be talking about Chiefs versus Cardinals in Glendale, which is exciting. We'll talk a little general NFL too. We'll bring back our pick segment. It'll be great. Um, I'm just so excited the NFL is here. Don't underestimate how good of a holiday Labor Day is. It's a three-day weekend. Take it easy, relax, and enjoy. Christian, anything from you before we call it a podcast? No, man, I'm ready to get out of here. I got school tomorrow. Okay. Christian's got night-night time. So from at Price A. Carter on Twitter and at Christian Amesworth, or excuse me, his handle is at CBreezy underscore edit. We'll call it a podcast. Thanks for listening to not just another sports podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live.